Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Three, two, one. Hello and welcome to Syrupcast episode 36. My name is Daniel Bader and uh, this is uh, Syrupcast for March 18th, 2015. As always, I'm joined by two of my lovely co-hosts, Douglas Soltis. How are you? Hello, citizens. And uh, Jane McIntaggart. Yay, I'm good. I can't believe our podcast is 36 weeks old. It's full term. (laughs) Is that a baby thing? It can... Yeah, well, 36 weeks is like full term, but technically a pregnancy is 40 I'll end the podcast weeks. with some crying sounds yeah. wow. just to bring it home we that it's just... finally ooh, alive. Ooh, we should spend the whole podcast whining. <laughs> Are we going to eat the pod we could, slenta? We were going to do that anyway. And pooping ourselves. <laughs> pod slenta. Yeah. What's pod slenta? Uh, what does that oh. taste like, Douglas? It tastes like tech, Bader. Apparently, it's like a big steak. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, it tastes like circuit board <laughs> and uh, the New York right. Times radiation article. What's that about? I, let's open with that because I didn't read it. Uh, well, apparently your phone and your smartwatch will give you cancer. It's going to happen because Nick Bilton said it will. I'm going to get moto cancer. Uh, wasn't that article called Nick Bilton Says a Lot of Things? Because I'm cat. pretty sure that's what I read. Hey, well, so they they changed the title later. Basically, the what was the original the title? article that I I think it was your phone or your 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 wearable may be at risk of giving you cancer. Like it was a very matter of fact title. Okay, um, that doesn't sound like it sounds like they then, were maybe maybe like they were potentially enough about it. Well, they did a bunch of research, and they talked to a bunch of hacks. Oh. And uh, there, were, there was a guy who, he was a, there was an anti-vaxxer oh. who they used as a source to say that, um, and there was a guy, <laughs> there was actually a really funny gif. One of the guys that they used as a source had gone on Dr. Oz to claim that eating eggplants will cure your cancer. Sorry, is this oh, the I New York made Post? a really oh. off call. <laughs> yeah. I nearly made like a, yeah, a Steve Jobs comment about Oh, eating fruits and veg worked out so well for his cancer. <sighs> oh, is that what he did? Is that what he said? I, he got, I, I think that he realized. He got a very, very, very curable uh, form of pancreatic cancer, which can be cured with a Whipple, uh, Whipple surgery, which is very minor. And he tried to cure his cancer for several months with a raw fruit diet. I think that there's a difference between uh, attempting a natural solution first and then being like, okay, well, you know, eating a, a healthy diet and um, and you know, exercising didn't fix this problem. So okay. let's start on the yes, on the hard I agree stuff. that sev- like that certainly some illnesses can be minimized or 
even cured with a healthy diet and exercise, but I do not believe any form of cancer is one of those. Well, that's not true. I actually know uh, a good a good friend who had his cancer reduced by like a factor of 10 just by changing not, his not diet. not a cure. Not a cure, though. Well, it shrunk to the point where it was operable. But wow, we are so off topic. This is like when we were yeah, talking doctors, about Yeah, doctors, comment, today. check in. Skulos. We need to know. <laughs> Anyway, I uh, this is what happens when the New I York Times don't writes about agree. Tech. <laughs> well, they wrote about it in the style section. Actually, actually, there are some really good writers in yeah in the New York Times tech section. Um, you take that back, Douglas. Uh, former former Recode writer Michael Isaac, former or Mike Isaac. There's Farhad Manju. Wasn't David Pogue from, New York Times? Uh, Slate. Po- well, Pogue left to join the Yahoo Tech division to to head it up, actually. Which has done diddly squat. Um, <laughs> I was about you know to say I, something snarky. I, I, I'm like, that's really mean. You shouldn't say that. <laughs> and then there you went. <laughs> well, so I was watching. This is like a complete other aside, but I watched uh, the beginning of Harmontown last night on on Netflix. <laughs> you, you know this. Yeah. yeah. So Harmontown is a, a documentary that follows Dan Harmon on a cross country tour of Harmontown which is his podcast that he does live in front of an audience. And he has a partner there. And it's a really funny podcast. But this documented his time between season four and, and six of Community when he was fired at the end of season... No, sorry, uh, at the end of season three. He was fired at the end of season three, brought back for season five. And this was his time at the end of 2012, beginning of thir- 2013, where he was doing a cross-country tour. Anyway, it's a really interesting doc. The guy is completely different and yet exactly what I thought he would be like. Um, definitely recommended. Netflix is a mobile product. Are you saying nice, Dan Harmon gives smartwatches cancer? Uh, that's it's exactly the podcast what I title said. right there. Potentially, maybe, possibly. Nick Bilton it. gave Dan Harmon cancer, which he <laughs> oh. cured with comedy. And fruit. All right. That's the, that's the rumor that we want to spread. So let's start um, talking about actual technology news. Uh, This week, uh, we're going to start with one of the stranger stories um, that I've seen in a while. Fido is planning on targeting millennials with its upcoming branding and strategy overhaul. It's going to be introducing a monocled, bejeweled dog as its new mascot, which makes sense. Fido is the brand. But the, uh, we've received some leaked information from a very reliable source. And everybody in the comments, this came up this morning, everybody in the comments hates it. Um, what do you guys think? I mean, there's, there's obviously more to it than just the four, or, you know, uh, four leaked documents that we've seen. But do you think that this is going to work? I think we need a new... A new definition for millennials because i'm looking i just decided to look up because people tell me that i'm a millennial and i'm 25 but apparently millennials uh were born as early as the early 1980s so i don't think anybody approaching 30 years old or 35 years old uh is going to be happy with a yolo plan which is what they're calling it that's that's the word that i i was waiting for Uh. yolo is the overarch from what I understand, that's the name of their overarching plan yeah. strategy. They're 
You only live once. These are your choices. You, 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 there, there may be the YOLO 25, the YOLO 50, the YOLO 200. Um, yeah. Uh, there may be a bay, a YOLO bay. You know, you never know okay. these things. As, as much as all of us don't want to be identified in this way, <laughs> um, Fido has kind of languished for years as being this brand that is visibly different from Rogers, but functionally not. So if they're trying to put some time and effort into there being a reason for Fido to exist, um, I think that's interesting. Whether or not they, it succeeds is. Right. But this, this is actually, so the nuts and bolts of this, I mean, we, we can make fun of it, but let's get into the nuts and bolts. This is actually Fido becoming more like Rogers. From an infrastructure and strategy perspective, they're doing away with a lot of what made Fido Fido. They're doing away with Fido dollars, which is what separated the company from every other company, from every, every other carrier in Canada. I mean, that was a holdover from their microcell days, where you were rewarded for being a Fido customer. Every month, you'd get 4% of your uh, monthly bill towards... Perks. You could put them towards new phones. You could put them towards value packs, things like that. You could. There was a Fido store which you could use with your uh, to to spend money. Uh, you know, use your Fido dollars to 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 buy things, accessories, etc. So that's going to be going away, which is a big change for the company, right? Uh, instead, they're going to be focusing on content, value added content, the same way that Rogers is throwing in two years of Show Me and a year of NHL Game Center Live. They're going to be looking at similar types of value-added services. Uh, for example, their fight, their Vice Media partnership, and their, from what we understand, a streaming music partnership. We don't know the streaming music provider yet, but I'm assuming it's somebody like Spotify. But the most interesting part of this is that they'll be introducing a value pack that actually waives the bandwidth from certain messaging apps. So. Whenever you use apps like Vi- three of them were named explicitly Viber, WhatsApp, and iMessage, those could be in contravention of the CRTC's net neutrality laws. Could be because th- could be we don't know. But I I was talking to Ben Class earlier, who was on our show a few weeks ago, and he said that there may be a lot of complaints by consumer advocacy groups like the PIAC and the CAC around this because it could set a really bad precedent so functionally i don't actually think this is an improvement nor is it something that makes fido different from rogers it actually makes them more alike um you know sorry i guess i guess i just meant from the actual the the targeting actually reflecting the brand rather than it being because fido previously was this kind of off-brand thing that some people like there was some kind of pricing differentiation but it you you are essentially kind of like a a weird quasi Rogers customer. At least with this, it looks like they're even if they're mirroring kind of like their overall strategy, it's targeted to specific people. But now, as as you're saying, like right. the the problem with that is with with these <laughs> the whole issue around Rogers' current strategy is that value add doesn't necessarily work when. Mixed with common carriage. Mm. Yeah, and so a, a lot of what makes Fido Fido traditionally is that it's it's a discount brand. Mm. 
to compared to the uh, the flagship Rogers. So I'm looking right now uh, their standard plans, which give uh, I believe two hundred dollars maximum in subsidy. You can get a five gig plan with unlimited call, uh, unlimited nationwide calling, and unlimited texting for ninety four dollars. Uh, five gigs of data. The equivalent Rogers plan, which would give you six gigs of data, is one hundred and five dollars. Uh, sorry, one hundred and twenty five dollars. So it is cheaper still than a Rogers plan, but you don't get as high a subsidy. Fido, um, enjoy Rogers plans they... from three years ago. <laughs> yeah, but I, I mean that's really what Kudo and um, and Virgin have been doing too. So. What separates a subsidiary from its its mainline flagship brand in Canada? Not a whole lot. At least with with public mobile, the relaunch of public mobile that Telus is, is is about to go through, there's some real differentiation. You know, there's data only plans. There's there's at least seems to be some innovation. They're not actually selling any hardware. It's a SIM only carrier essentially. I'm reading the comments. Just sorry. Read the comments on the story. Never read the, the comments, No, on Jane. the Fido thing, I'm seeing what the readers are the most upset about. And I think that, like, the first thing is the Fido dollars. People, that's what people care about. Yeah, exactly. It's a, someone it's a was very like, interesting thing. They're very Yeah, someone said nobody cares nostalgic. about Fido dollars anymore. And then someone else said, uh, I shop around every time my contract is up. But at the end of the day, using those Fido dollars towards the cost of my phone, like 150 bucks towards the cost of my new phone, makes the most sense. I wonder if that's just going to be replaced with Roger's overall rewards package, which they've tried to revamp. There is going to be a rewards element, but we don't know the the exact details of that. I think the 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 actual uh, benefits of the reward program, as I said, are going to be more about free content or discounted content. So you'll be able to use it towards, say, 10 hours of vice media content or whatever that that way they could get around this whole idea of exclusivity uh that you know bell's not allowed to do they're not allowed to charge you uh, in a non-monetary way you know they're, they're not allowed to charge you per hour as opposed to per megabyte but is that, is that, uh, i think rogers may be able to get away with it by integrating into their into their membership. that's where it's like a Sorry? reward based upon use rather than what type of customer you are so it's like it's an earned discount yeah. rather than a like a competitive pricing snafu. Right. I, I guess you know. There, is it a contravention of uh, the CRTC's net neutrality rules if you benefit exclusively through a membership program, then whether you know then through a a monthly uh, contract or a monthly plan, the way that you do on Bell. So if Rogers says that they're only allowing Fido subscribers to to see this Vice Media content. Uh, does it actually disadvantage any other company like Telus or or Bell? Mm-hmm. Uh, they'll they'll argue that it doesn't because they're not actually asking customers to uh, sign up for a particular ro- uh, package here. They're just getting that benefit by being a member. So that that'll be an interesting thing to see because I I don't know if anybody's challenged net neutrality uh, in that way yet, mm-hmm. at least in Canada. Yeah. But w- another thing about this is that Fido is going to be increasing its prepaid 
uh, data plans up to two gigabytes. So, you know, whenever I go away, I was in Germany, sorry, I was in um, Spain uh, for Mobile World Congress. I was in Germany a couple of summers ago. It's really easy to get cheap data plans up to six gigs. I got a two gigabyte plan for like 15 euro. Uh, In Canada, it's really hard to get high data prepaid plans. You know, it's like $30 for a gig of data. So if Fido ends up lowering the amount of a la carte data, at least um, based on a prepaid plan, I think that would be great for for travelers and visitors because I was thinking recently about this. I travel to other countries all the time and I never have a problem getting a decently priced roaming package or a decently priced um, prepaid data plan. In Canada, I feel for the people coming here because there's really no good there's no good solution. You either have to go with wind, which isn't in every city, or you go with one of the big three, and their prepaid plans suck. But yeah, but even the even the cost of data on on a on a contract is not great compared like compared to abroad, compared to Europe. Absolutely. So it's totally yeah, it's it's much much higher. On the other hand, you know, the argument is that when you're a customer in Canada, you get access to the entire country's network, right? you know, for, you know, one, one price per month. But when you're a visitor, you're not typically traveling, you know, traversing an entire country like Canada. You're staying in one city or, you know, at most a few cities in a short amount of time. And there should be a way like you can in the U.S. to buy daily or weekly packs yeah. to get cheaper data. Kind of disappointing when you look at it from that perspective. The monocle uh, dog does not approve. <laughs> the Canadian dollar is so weak now that at least if you're coming from the U.S., you oh, can yeah. save a bit of money by by uh, coming from Europe, changing too. some of your money over. Um, yeah, to a lesser extent, but the euro is actually really weak right now too. So we'll see. I mean, Fido's coming. The the big branding change is expected to arrive in late april early may uh could come sooner it could come later we'll yeah we'll someone someone in the comments said that they did the uh the the e-module training for this new this new rebranding effort and they said it's it's expect lots of like hip talk like when your parents try and be cool so if they're already training people um i would say sooner rather than later is this is this uh that Miniature Spanish wrestler's fault? Yeah. Manny Pacquiao? No. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wait, he's not Spanish. Also not a wrestler. Oh, my God. Uh, Syrupcast <laughs> Syrup listeners, that was not staged. That was raw and uncut. Oh, my God. Uh, that was raw dits right there. <laughs> no, I'm talking about... You... Oh. Is he a wrestler? El Tabador. Yeah. Oh, that dude. Yeah. I put oh, some why data plan in your follow... <laughs> Why can't anybody just follow Telus's lead and just get used like pandas and hippos? Digital animals instead you know, of all these annoying wrestlers? characters. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. <sighs> Let's talk about something less depressing. Well, it's interesting. Um, you know. There's a lot of very insightful comments in this uh, in this post. Somebody says, 
a guy named Purdy44 says, Dear Canadian tele- Canada Telecom Companies, you want to appeal to millennials, make 21st century plans. Mm-hmm. Give lots of data for $50 or less a month. Charge yep. extra for Canada-wide calling and voicemail because nobody uses them. Basically, bring back the 6-gigabyte super plan. Make a data-focused plan and charge separately for voicemail, daytime minutes, evenings, and weekends. The new generation doesn't care about free evenings and weekends because we never actually talk on the phone. When I make long-distance calls to friends in New York, I use my home phone or... Whoa, time traveler, home phone. Hold on. I was with... Well, I mean, that's that's not entirely true. I mean, maybe he's still... there's, There's two people, types of people I see with home phones today. There's sort of the, the, you know, parents, grandparents who never gave up their home phone, who aren't quite as techy. And then there's the new parents slash, you know, people who still live at home, who may be at home a lot, and it's still cheaper to spend, millennials. you know, <laughs> living at their 10 bucks home. a month on. Well, yeah, a lot of millennials still live at yeah, home. Yeah, but like, okay. But I don't think I'll ever have a home phone. So again. the reason why millennials gravitate to a brand like wind isn't because wind's super cool and speaks to them it because it hits their price point and their need so you know it doesn't even really hit their need because the service is crap well so it's, it's just... but it's 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 a it's trying it's to price right? point and yeah and that, that will get better and the wind tab yeah. as chairman handsome um continues his expansion uh so like all the effort being put into the lingo and the dog and everything. And even even to a certain extent, like, at least when Virgin does stuff, they're like, we're actually trying to do some things that we think our audience would really enjoy. Um, this this is all because, yeah, like, true. Rogers is unwilling to change the fundamentals of the business. So. Well, they need to increase ARPU somehow. So, generally, they don't report FIDO, ARPU, average revenue per user. But they need to convert more people into postpaid customers. And the way to do that is by charging more for the plans. And then, like what they're doing with Show Me and Game Center on Rogers, get people to subscribe to these sort of value-added services. So they'll offer Vice for free for a couple of years. And if you know people are into it, then hopefully they'll spend four or five bucks a month to subscribe. Mm-hmm. But in the short term, people are going to realize that there isn't a whole lot of extra value in what they're offering. I mean, we don't know the details yet, so we'll come back to it in, in the next few weeks when they do announce it. But go to and it, to anybody listening who hasn't gone to the new uh, public mobile site, publicmobile.ca, it's actually very interesting. It hasn't launched yet, and uh, we haven't tried it, but it's going to be running on TELUS's LTE network, and uh, it has a lot of potential to be quite disruptive. So, we'll see. Um, moving on, I think one of the more interesting stories this uh, this week was the fact that Windows 10 is now going to be launching earlier than expected in the summer. We don't know when it'll be launching on phones, but one can only assume a few more technical previews will happen between now and this summer, and it'll yeah. make it a lot more usable. But Windows 10 is becoming this, I think, powerhouse example of the omni-platform, omni-channel, um, you know, solution for for both consumers and developers um, and, you know, enterprise users and big data users and Internet of Things users. Like, everybody... At Windows, like Windows 10 finally seems to be going at it the right way. Yeah, I agree. And I think that it's it's even just 
based on you can see what people's reactions are just to the previews and to, to the features that Microsoft is announcing and, and the kind of demos that they're giving. I feel like with Windows 8 and even 8.1, there's this like feeling of dread. It's like, oh, it's coming out soon. <laughs> they're going to make a switch to it and it's going to be awful. But I feel like Windows 10 people are actually excited. And there's like a new, you're seeing a lot of the, the new Microsoft, which is like mobile first and, and a lot of um, compatibility with different uh, cloud services and really flexibility, I guess. Yeah, and one thing that's so interesting about it is that I've been using it on my Surface Pro 3, and it's super usable. I mean, both as as a tablet OS and a Windows desktop OS, it feels a lot nicer than Windows 8.1 ever did, even in in its in its maturity, um, in its current state. In what ways? Like, what what are like those tangible things? Well, what I liked about it was that you could. I mean, what I like about Windows 8, you know, in general, is that you can coordinate different windows fairly easily. Um, you know, the, the full screen experience when the app is well developed is actually quite good. And the ability to sort of switch between running apps uh, always felt like it was better suited for the tablet. With Windows 10, they finally brought back a lot of those desktop um, mouse keyboard shortcuts that make people really happy. But then when you remove your tablet from the docking station, for example, the tablet mode makes touch points bigger. So Windows 8.1 doesn't actually make touch points bigger. It's just you're tapping at the same size touch totally. point. You're like, yeah, damn yeah. it, this won't work. Windows 10 actually activates a tablet mode that allows you to use apps uh, in a more touch-friendly way, even when they're not explicitly meant to be used in a tablet mode. Then there's all these other apps that when that Microsoft's developing as an example to others, the same way that Google develops really great first-party apps for Android, uh, as a way to, to create great uh, multi-screen apps, multi-size apps. So apps that work really well for, window, for uh, desktop, tablet, and phone. So I think we'll see more of those. So the experience is changing beyond just the interface. Yes. Yeah. And it's also more about the services. I mean, OneDrive's a better service. Uh, OneNote is a is a better designed service. All of their kind of multi-platform office ideas seem to be working fairly well together. Um, I, I saw a presentation about Skype recently and how Microsoft wants Skype to be the glue that brings all of its disparate services together you know as a messaging platform so basically the same way that hangouts connects to google plus uh, except not annoying yeah right because google plus ruined the sort of social um i don't know that 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 binding nature of google you know, around around Google Plus just doesn't feel right. Whereas no. I think Skype has the potential to be implemented right. So, I I have hope. I have hope. Doesn't mean that I'm not going to switch from Mac because, or it doesn't mean that I'm going to switch from Mac. But at least you can get decent Microsoft services on a on a Mac. Yeah, and it's also that they're working harder to bring their services to other platforms like Mac. So like. Cortana is going to be on iOS and Android. A lot more of their, their what what previously were Windows and Windows Phone exclusive services and apps are now available across multiple platforms, which is awesome. 
I mean, how many Windows platform services do you use generally? Mm. I'm pretty outside the ecosystem at this point. But a lot of that was because, mm. you know, I wasn't using, because of that exclusivity to the hardware or like the predominance of it, I wasn't getting in there. So just looking at my phone. Ugh. I use Skype. Oh yeah, I, I feel guess. like if they're trying to make, and I, th- I feel like if they're trying to make Skype the the glue that ties everything together, they're mm-hmm. also going to be like if they can position it sort of like as a a gateway drug. <laughs> so they'll say, "Hey, you're using Skype, and you want to send files. Like, do you know you can access those on OneDrive?" And you might be like, "Hmm, yeah, I didn't, it, but sure." That's how well, it's that- going to happen. Yeah. So if like if I'm like talking to Doug on Skype and I send him a file and it, he he receives it and accepts it, but they say, "Hey, Jane and Doug, you know you can access every file that you've ever sent each other." If you sign up for OneDrive and enable like cloud storage of your of your conversation or an archive of your conversation, I'd be like, hmm, Doug, we should install OneDrive. Yeah, I would say that but, there's also a yeah. lot of applications that they've recently purchased that you might have been using on iOS that are becoming official mm-hmm. Microsoft versions of things. So that would be it. But you know, for me, I guess it's like it's Skype, and then I have an Outlook.com email address, which I was really excited for to be kind of like a counter Gmail hub and it's never really become that because they really don't no. do profile identity that well even compared to google who doesn't do it well at all oh. i don't know google's doing a lot better I, I mean maybe when it comes to design they're doing a lot better for, for I, one um, identity i still rely on docs just so oh right sorry you meant identity yeah just managing multiple is still like the biggest hurdle mm. Um, I always have to check to see what Google I am at that moment. <laughs> yeah, I actually, it's funny. I rely on two different browsers to do two different Google instances. You know, Safari is my one and Chrome is my other. Um, yep. They really do have to make it easier to switch between identities. I don't know. I mean, I, I use Inbox or I, I use uh, Outlook on <laughs> I was my like, You iPhone. don't use Inbox. No way. <laughs> I do actually. I use I use Inbox as well. Uh, I don't know. I use I use Outlook uh, for iOS. I I don't think it's as good on Android. I stick with uh, an update, Gmail and Inbox. It did. It's just not as good as the iOS version. The mm-hmm. iOS version, because Accompli was iOS first. Yeah. And by the time Microsoft bought them, they were heavily into iOS development. They've been. They'd done several iterations. They got it down. And they had only gotten sort of out of beta when it launched on Android. And it still feels like a beta. Um, There's some things missing. It doesn't feel quite as complete. I like it. And they just got a really nice update to sync your contacts and your calendar. But I just don't I don't think that it's, it's uh, as good as the native Gmail app. And I also just think that Google has such a good Gmail experience on Android that nothing will supplant it in terms of convenience, right? Yeah, no, I agree. It's just nice to see Microsoft working on other platforms. And I, I think right. that's, you know, with, with Cortana coming to Windows, uh, coming to iOS and Android after Windows 10 launches, which is another big story of the week, I think... They will, you know, they'll often, they'll, they'll obviously have a problem um, on iOS and Android getting to a system level 
access. That the same problem happens with Google Now on iOS. You don't have access to those same system level functions as you do on Android. And Google Now is so smart and so useful because it's everywhere and it's, it just shows you what you need to know when you need to know it. Um, but yeah, I, I, I hope they do it right. I hope they make it worth entering the Cortana app, whatever that looks like, yeah. more than you know just to, to search with your voice or have a funny conversation with her. See, now right. I'll give Cortana a try just to have Cortana <laughs> on my phone. Like that personality. It's good. It's very good. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's exactly like playing Halo 4. Rampancy? Um, well, so the Reuters reports that the company's new version of Cortana is inter- internally referred to as Einstein. Mm. Uh, Cortana's success will be knowing where the user is, what time it is, and what he or she is trying to do. So obviously context is important, but how is Cortana especially on iOS, going to provide you that context. On Android, it's a little bit easier because there are sort of these persistent background services uh, that work really well. But the iOS APIs restrict you to geofencing. So you can't really do anything unless you leave or enter a certain area. Well, no, that's not true. Uh, It's supposed to say... Even even with uh, kind of Google Now on iOS... It because I'm tied into Google services, and I have a Google Calendar. It still tells me when I need to leave to get to a place, but it's 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 not doing it in a Google Now way. It's using the other Google services that I have to do that. So like the the cloud brain's still working. It just has an an end around to get the mobile experience to talk to me, right? Yeah. Yeah, but the that that sort of it's it's the same type of notification as. You know, somebody's trying to send you a photo on Mir, or on, you know, somebody sent you a photo on Snapchat, or you know, your friend just joined Meerkat, right? It's there's no differentiation between those kinds of notifications on iOS. On Android, especially with if you have Google Now Launcher, you just swipe to the left or to the right, and the left pane is Google Now, and I I find myself relying on that pane so much, yeah, that you know, I it's. I can't not use the Google Now launcher for that reason because it's so integral to the way that I use Android mm-hmm. these days. Son of a bitch. Sorry. Excuse me. <laughs> I just what noticed happened? like a gallery update on my phone when I was doing that. It's like a new it's a new gallery icon. I don't know if uh I don't know if you guys can can see uh where are you? there. Is that new? I don't know. I just got it. Yeah, that just um that just launched this week. But that was we that was my reaction. <laughs> um, I, I read about it and I was hoping that you'd write about it. So uh, go write about it, please. All right. Yes, sir. See you later. <laughs> um, no, that that was like a, a nice kind of material design update for for the Moto Gallery. Oh, okay. Which is kind of cool. Specific to Motorola. Got it. But then that, that's yeah. the thing is that I've got two photo applications on there, and that was one of the things that when I started using the Moto X that I was like, oh, thank God, was that I wasn't forced to be used to use photos anymore. <laughs> so I just find galleries so much nicer. Yeah. And it's such a, it's so... Yeah, photos... It's, and it's rough because photos, once you once you get used to it, it's not a big deal, but... And I, and I you know, I don't I don't mind backing my photos, but yeah, being, being like, 
I feel like a lot of users when they're faced with that, hey, do you want to back up your photos and do you want to access your Google Plus photos and do you want to do this and do you want to do that? They're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I just took a picture and I want to look at yeah. it. That's all. Yeah, we should give some, we should give people context here because we, we could be talking Latin. another language. Um, basically, Google starting with uh, when Google Plus photos rolled out at Google I.O. 2013, I want to say. The um, the new version came with it a, an app called Photos, and it, it ba- basically was a repository of all of the photos on your phone, but also the photos that you've backed up to Google Plus. Mm. And increasingly, Google Plus is becoming less important to the Android ecosystem, but Photos is becoming more important yeah. because Google has found a lot of success with people backing up their entire. <clears throat> catalog yeah. to yeah. it was to also play. extremely well done right? but yeah and i think photos it is. It's, to it's an extent really good. could have gone towards like easing the, the pain point because some people when you you say hey you should back up your photos and then you, you get up them past that hurdle of saying oh all my photos are stored online and that's kind of weird people were going into google plus and then going to photos and then saying i know it's here somewhere it's from my last phone and then trying to find it so this was a really cool way to shortcut that experience but they made it more than exactly. about that i think and it's or the language isn't very clear that that's, but, that's really what it does. And it's kind of... Well, we, we've we've seen evidence that Google Plus Photos will be a standalone product. Yeah. I reported this at at uh, Mobile World Congress. Yeah. The um, I think it's Ben Horowitz. He's a longtime Googler. He's taking over the project. And it seems like they're going to be separating Google Plus, and they're calling it the stream, mm. and then Google Photos. And Google Photos... I think at IO will have a a huge presence. Yeah. It had a huge presence 2 years ago. It wasn't talked about at all last year and I think it's due for yeah. a, a big update. But the the problem is that when you buy a phone like even the Moto X which is basically stock Android, every OEM bundles its own gallery app yeah. on the phone. So the first time you tap on the gal- on you know on a photo It'll ask you, do you want to open this with gallery or photos? And mm. most novices will be like, I don't know. What's the difference? But I think it's also... But there's a huge difference. There's a huge difference. But I think what people... What isn't made clear enough is that photos doesn't have to be cloud. It can also be local. Because now, I think right now people are seeing... Because Google is pushing the photos you know, cloud storage aspect of it, people, when they have that choice, are, oh, I don't want it to be on the internet. I just want it to be on my phone. So I want to go with gallery because it's that's local storage. Yeah. And and there is a way like when yeah. when gallery asks you hey like how do you want me to deal with this photo and how when you when you try and open photos for the first time you can say I don't want I just want it to look it on my phone I just want to open it on my phone um, but people I guess it's not I mean if it's if it's if it stops me in my tracks and I go oh hold hold on what am I looking at here then I feel like the average user doesn't have a hope totally because there's just even with that but, like there's with these cloud systems there's no real way to track. Like, they might give you a list of things that it's going to do in general, but, like, in spe- the specific mm-hmm. realities of those outputs are so mysterious that you kind of really don't know until after you do them. Um, mm-hmm. Even even just with, like, uh, so I had switched phones, and I, I back up all my stuff actually to, to Dropbox. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I switched to an iPhone 6, did the device transfer from iPhone to iPhone. So I, I all my old photos are on the new device. And then the first time I connected to this device, Dropbox was like, hey, 
you got like 5,000 photos. Let's do this. And I was like, no, no, you already have those photos. Don't know. Hey, Doug, want some photos? And it's like the the hardware touch points have outpaced the software's capability for you to manage what's going on. Yeah. So what's interesting here is that um, I'm doing photo comparisons between a bunch of devices right now. So I'm taking the same photo four or five times. And all of them are updating are uploading to Google+. Plus. Mm-hmm. And all of them show up when I open photos. So I'm, you know, this is my uh, Galaxy S6 Edge. I've taken none of these photos on this device. Um, All of these photos were taken from a Galaxy S6 or an HTC One M9. And that's the problem is that you can't immediately tell which device, or it's not a problem. It's actually what Google wants because it shouldn't matter what device took your photo. But it's really hard now to differentiate between local and cloud-based content right. when it always just backs up behind the scenes without your knowledge. Yeah. And I, I think that's really cool. I, I didn't, I didn't really consider that aspect of it is that you could have two phones on the go or, you know, I know that you're doing the iPhone six in that comparison too. So you can have like multiple phones on the go. And as long as you're signing to your Google account, you can, you can back that up. But I feel like that's again, limited use for the, the average user is just going to have one phone. No, because you could have a well, the other thing photo that I really... or something. Oh my god, I do not want all my photos backing up to a family like Google Plus. No, but like <laughs> I would, some people might, but it's also a thing Ooh. where like when you delete a photo, <laughs> do you know which one you're deleting it from? Yeah, and that's the thing. When you go to photos and you click delete this photo and then they say, would you like to delete it from everywhere? And you're like, well, yes, I would. But when you delete it just like, I guess, um, from gallery, I don't know if it does that. No, it doesn't, obviously, because a gallery yeah. um, photo is local. But by the time, presumably by the time you delete it from gallery, if you've gotten to somewhere with Wi-Fi, it's already been backed up to, to Google+. Plus. Yep. Because late. the second you hit Wi-Fi, um, by default, it starts backing it up. The wheels have been set in motion, yeah. 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 Anyway. Um, so, what were we talking about? Microsoft. Um, Microsoft. <laughs> the cloud. And, the, and then we were like, fix your stuff, Google. Oh, we, we traveled um, on a cloud. Yeah. Um, what else did we... Did we Jane, why don't you introduce the next, uh, the, the next one, the Neptune Duo? Oh, the Neptune Duo. Uh, <laughs> this has been your, uh, Neptune, yeah, your, I did, um, your baby I did a in the bathwater. Neptune. Neptune, if anybody needs a quick uh, catch-up, is essentially a standalone... Um, smartwatch that acts like a phone, sort of like the the gear, uh, the gear round. Is it called the gear round? The get no, the Galaxy Gear S, Gear S. Um, so it's, yeah, it's a phone in smartwatch form, but they're they're. I guess their goal with this is not so that you can have two separate phone numbers, but so that you can have basically a teeny tiny little tablet as a phone that basically just acts as a as a. A display for the watch so you get all your texts all your calls on the watch and then if you want to respond to an email or a text or want to watch a video you just activate what they call the pocket screen and it, it sends that stream from the watch to your to your pocket screen um and they 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 neptune launched on kickstarter or indiegogo sorry with their with a similar standalone smartwatch last year but this apparently was the vision they wanted to have a central hub and then a pocket screen and a pocket tab and all these different devices that you could just send 
that information to whatever device and form factor you wanted at the time. So they went on and they did their own crowdfunding, I guess, or their own pledging system starting. Was it how long ago was that? When they launched? Uh, no, not long ago. About a month ago. Weeks. No. About a month ago, yeah. Yeah. Um, so they, they, they did briefings and press and stuff, and then they launched the website and said that, you know, if you pledge X amount of money, you can get the device when it launches at the end of the year. And then this week, they said, we've raised $800,000, but we are now going back to Indiegogo, which they said that they weren't going to do. Said they were going it alone this time. But they went back to Indiegogo, and now they're selling it as a package. So when, they did, when we did the briefing, they showed me the tab, the keyboard, the headphones, the dongle. They showed me all the accessories, and, but said that they were not ready yet, and they weren't going to be shipping until later in the year, but they would be ready for launch. And I, I got the impression that they were going to sell them as accessories once the product launched. But now they have this like $750 package where you pay $750 up front and you get everything. And they have a name for it, like um, the family or something so, like that? Or there's like some... Oh, the... The suite. The suite, the Neptune suite, suite yeah. So, I mean, I don't ne- know. The issue, I think, is that they had this kind of like tiered system where you could pay like $500 up front and you would get, when, when the product's ready, you would get a unit and that would be it. Or you could pay, you know, less than... I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today less and less and depending on how little you paid the more you would have to pay at launch so if you wanted to just reserve a unit now you would have to pay like over $700 for the actual device when it launched at the end of the year um, and I think what they probably were seeing was a lot of people reserving it no money down no commitment and then they they needed to boost boost the funds I mean it's weird because they told me I asked them I said you know you guys are going alone and Indiegogo is, gets criticism for the fact that if you crowdfund a campaign on there and you don't meet your goal, the you like the money is not returned to the people who have backed the product. Like the, yeah, you just keep whatever the campaign. Is there. So so not necessarily. I, I think it's it's a choice that the oh okay um, that the person has or right. the the but there is um, there is like there is that option is if you don't meet your goals that or there's a the chance that as a user if you fund it. And you don't meet your goals. So I, I posed that question during the briefing. I said, hey, like, what happens if not enough people commit to this? Or, like, what what happens then? And they were like, no, we have the money to make it. Like, we have the money to make it. It's happening. Like, from their last campaign, they were like, we have the funds. This product is happening. But then we we had a second briefing. Uh, Betakin had a briefing, Tom Emmerich. And he asked, what happens if you guys don't get enough interest? And he said, they'd can it. So I don't know. There's a little bit of, there's a lack of clarity on what would happen if, if the if the, the funding campaign wasn't successful but it looks like plan b was to go back to indiegogo because that's what they've done cool yep well i mean it's what's interesting to me is that this sounds and looks a lot like what motorola was trying to do with its lap dock back in 2011 yeah. with the atrix and the, the razor yeah. if you recall you'd plug in your atrix and it would give you i mean it's it's very different it's all wireless now but same idea is that what your your phone is 
essentially powering uh, computing experiences on different size screens. Your watch. And yeah. in this case, it's the watch. Well, no, in, in that oh, case, it yeah. was the phone. In this case, it's the watch. Right. But I, what I don't get is why it has to be a watch, right? The, yeah. the smartphone is such a – it's a superior form factor to do this. There's more room. It's a more accepted um, you know, type of device in our lives. Yeah, and uh, it's, it's interesting. You're far more likely – because when you ask him about it, I asked the CEO about it, and he's this really young guy, and he seems he seems really clever too, and he's very driven. But um, I asked him about it, and I said, you know, he he the way they they kind of pitch this product is current smartwatches don't really offer you anything beyond what your phone can do already. You know, when you really cut down and like cut through all the fog, what your smartphone or what your smartwatch can do is cut out the few seconds it takes for you to take your phone out and check it, mm-hmm. because you can't. There isn't yeah. a whole lot of meaningful interaction that can happen on your wrist. So he was saying, you know, they, they want to change that and say that and enable your smartwatch and your wrist to do more. And and when I asked, well, then what's the point of it being a watch? Like, if that's your goal, if your goal is to have one hub and then all these other devices that are powered by that and get their content from that. And that's a really that's a really promising and, and interesting idea. But when I asked why it had to be a watch, he just was like, oh, well, people are familiar. It's the same answer that all wearables companies give, which is people are familiar with watches. Like the watch already has a place on their wrist. Well, it's, you know, it's, it's accessible. I think the, the broad argument is tech, all tech being equal. If, if, we, if making a, a smartwatch could have happened at the same time we had, we're building the technology to do a, to do a smartphone, would people have chosen uh, a larger screen that they have to carry in their pocket and pull out? when they need it or something that just sits on their wrist at all times so they can quickly look at and but then require something else for specific issues and they're trying to make the argument that if the feature set of the phone and the smartwatch are 90 percent equal people will be much happier to just have something yeah, with a with but, a lower kind of footprint on the wrist all day, and then really just pull out the screen when they need the screen, um, which I think is kind of cool. I don't know if 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 just the way that the technology has progressed and like the embeddedness of smartphones will be easy to combat. But I also think again, this is another example of the hardware is being added before the software is ready to really have a benefit. Yeah. And when you ask about the, the Android experience on the watch, they haven't done a whole lot to it. Like, it's pretty much just stock. Which is... I don't see that, though. I mean, their renders look like it's a completely different UI. Well, that's what he said. Oh, yeah, sorry. Um, and I roll my eyes, which is really bad. But <laughs> during the briefing, I said, what are you going to do with it? And it was stock on their, their original Neptune. And I asked what they're going to do. Are you going to leave the UI the same? Sorry, I stand corrected. I asked if they're going to leave the UI the same. And he said... No, we're gonna we're gonna change the game. It's gonna be revolutionary. And I was like, well, can you tell me more about that? And then he said no. So, so they're gonna do this tiny so revolutionary it's... new like UI. But... They're biting off a lot, mm. but it is interesting. And this guy is I just... only what twenty years old too. So, well, age, age aside, there's got yeah, a company and... behind him. Like, I don't want to be super ageist. Um, I'm yeah. I'm just saying, for a young company, this is biting off a lot. But also in their approach, it might be an opportunity because no matter what anyone say, says, all the kind of like smartwatch OSs or engagements have been built to as the secondary component to a smartphone rather than just like if I were yeah, interacting but... with uh, a, a, a smartwatch first and primarily, 
How, how should this go? But I think if you go back to what you were saying earlier on when you said, oh, you know, if, if when we were developing technology for smartphones, we asked people, which do you want to watch your phone? Like, what, which, which form factor and medium do you want to get this information and receive it and interact with it? I don't think a lot of people would have said watch then either. Because don't forget, before smartphones, between watches and smartphones, there was dumb phones. And people were using that to check the time. So even then, a lot of people had stopped wearing watches. And So I just mean, like, if, if we, in a time machine, which, you know, after killing Leader Hitler Pole. and sa- saving JFK, went back <laughs> with um, the, the Neptune duo and an iPhone 6 and said, which one do you want to carry around all the time? Well, the problem is you have to have a Neptune Geo and the pocket screen and an iPhone. And you would say, which one, which one do you want? Okay, okay, so yeah. So let's, okay, let's do Duo screen and then iPhone 6 and an Apple Watch and say... No, because you don't need, you don't need the Apple Watch to use the phone. Hmm. Like, that's the problem. Okay, is that, I... I mean, this is about an idea. There, I feel like we're, we're on the wrong path. <laughs> As long as Hitler dies, it doesn't matter. <laughs> but, yes. Oh, what about JFK? Um, Screw him, right? Like, jeez, Daniel. No, I love JFK. What did he say? Kill Hitler, save JFK. Oh, sorry. I didn't hear that part. <laughs> I was just fantasizing about killing Hitler. <laughs> oh. Um, so I, I think it misses the point. Is, is it, or not misses the point, but, but we, we didn't talk about a point. Is, it, is a smartwatch inherently a good form factor to interact with? Um. On, on its own, nah. is there opportunity there to improve something that's limited to staying put? Because generally, with a smartphone, you can turn it into landscape. You, it's malleable. You can put it in either pocket. You can put it down. You can um, you can you can play games with yeah, it. You can do whatever you want. When we yeah. talked about the Apple Watch last week, two weeks ago, I don't remember. I think like both. Did we talk about it last week? Did it make it onto the podcast? When was the Tom Pod? I don't know. I think TomPod was two weeks ago. I, I, I can't remember what we I talked we about last about week. It, it wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't entirely one it. thing. There's a lot of other stuff happening. Not. Okay. Was... Sorry. Anyway. But no. So when but when we talk about the Apple Apple Watch and smartwatches in general, we're like, well, this doesn't do anything. My phone can't do. But in right. in that statement is well, it it it, it can do it. It does the notifications. Like, there's a lot of stuff that your phone does that it doesn't need to be a phone to do. And there are things that you do, like, you know, the screen, the orientation and stuff. So can you get by with, like, is it actually more beneficial to, of all the things that your phone can do, but it doesn't really need a phone for, notifications, quick replies, whatever, all that stuff. Uh, consumption of content because it's like a it's like they have a bigger screen right it's not like an apple watch thing it's like a uh could you get by with that and then just pull out like a phone when you really needed it like a tablet when you really needed it Nah, i think there's a reason why phone screens have gotten bigger too because consumption of content just to to address that i think people people don't want to do that on a smaller screen so it would just be notifications and quick replies for now i think and is there anything on a smartwatch that is inherently better than on a smartphone. See, that's I the mean, thing. I didn't absolutely I, not I, for me. I don't think I've argued once, and if I have, then you know I take it back. I don't think the Apple Watch does anything better than an iPhone. Like if you're comparing the features, the exact you know the, the same features. If 
you're talking about um, you know using apps, making phone calls, you know, messaging people. I, I mean, digital touch is interesting, but is it inherently a better way to communicate? No, no probably not. I mean, language is language, right? No, I'm just um, saying. There's a reason we continue using it. Sorry. Sorry. No, I, I get what you're saying. I, I just think that part of the appeal of the Apple Watch and of other smartwatches like the Moto 360 and the Huawei Watch is that it's their fashion pieces. There's right. nothing fashionable about the Neptune Duo. Mm-hmm. I don't think that a screen that wraps around your wrist like a dong, like, like a bangle, is 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 a fashion statement at all. No. And I actually think that. Um, it's like like with the Gear S, it's going to end up being really chunky and uncomfortable. Yeah, mm. it is. It is so, far more function. You know, but I, but that's the. I guess that's the question. It's it's like this technological th- thought experiment. Is it more functional to do this stuff on your wrist than have a than have a phone? Because it's not doing no, anything. It's I, not I doing anything better. But the thing is, you don't have to carry around a phone. It's just there. It's just there when you need it. Glitch reboot, mm. like you know. I think the I think the phone form factor has proven um, over the last ten years that people want to carry around a phone. I mean, the fact that phones have gotten thinner and lighter mean that they're taking up less space in our pockets while doing more. Yeah, at but the back same to time. killing Hitler, we didn't have so, the ability to make a smartwatch ten years ago. That's why I'm saying, like, if we had both equal technologies at the exact same time to choose between, which interaction model would we choose? Well, I think the phone would be better. Anyway, objectively, it would be better, in in my opinion. But I also think that we couldn't. That that question is is a uh, one of those Latin terms that I forget. A uh, you know, uh, what, whatever time like it's a it's a lot it's an illogic illogical pro- proposition because the whole idea of Moore's law, the whole idea of the diminishing size of components, means that ten years ago, and I know you're making you know sort of a, a general statement, but that's there's no way that could have happened right there's no way that we could have had the phone and the watch at the same time the phone had to come first just like the laptop had to be had to come before the phone and just like the desktop had to come before the laptop those those um designs and and those form factors had to come in the order that they came but so what if we have them now if, if this thing fails because everyone has gotten used to smartphones and people are comfortable with it and it's not new and different enough to make an impact or there's only really one company doing it and the rest of the industry is doing something else. If it fails for those like economic, social reasons, whatever, that's one thing. If it fails because it isn't better, that's another. You know? Because like, you can make a very strong argument that this isn't going to have an impact just because history went another well, way. Yeah. I'm, I'm just saying, if, just, to, just to evaluate it on the merits of their idea... I think the, is it, the is issue it is that, valuable? and I, I think to, you know what to be honest, it's it's more interesting than the Apple Watch. Yeah, but I think there's a really important factor that will have a huge impact on how people decide, which is that you don't have to wear the Apple Watch, you don't have to wear an Android Wear watch. Like if there mm-hmm. is a time when you're like, you know what, I'm I'm going to a wedding, I'm getting married, like whatever, I'm I'm doing something that you know. I don't want to wear this thing on my wrist. You don't have to do that with with other similar solutions. With the Neptune, you would. Mm-hmm. You would have to wear it if you wanted to have your phone, if you wanted to have, you know, your laptop, if you wanted to have, whatever, your tablet. You would need to be wearing the Duo. Totally. Which is. I. 
awful. But then you also don't really necessarily have to carry think... the tablet around either, right? No, you don't know what I'm saying well, is that you like, but that's only useful for if I want to, you know, go for, you know, a run or walk on the beach. Like, I don't, I don't agree with the idea that they would make me like, you can say you have to carry your phone everywhere. I'm like, okay, well, I'll, I could find somewhere to put it. But if you tell me I have to wear my phone on my body invisible at all times, then I have a problem with that. Do you wear your Moto 360 Yeah, I mean, that's another time, thing. Though. I don't wear it all the time. In fact, the first thing I do when I get to work when I'm typing is I take it off because mm. it's like clacks against my okay, keyboard. Okay, that's, that's, that's really fair. I don't know. I'm also the kind of guy who wants like an e-ink smartphone. So, like. Yeah. You haven't pushed that in a while. <laughs> it's coming, isn't it? Yeah, but Doug, I mean, think about it like this. If you have to carry around a watch because that's your central, Hope. you know, CPU repository, um, and there's no alternative way to wear it, it's a security risk. It's a privacy risk. Even though you can take out your phone, if somebody grabs your wrist and if smartwatches become the, the main source of computing for millions of people, you know, as, as we dealt with, uh, you know, smartphone theft and still do, I think smartwatch theft is going to proliferate, and it would oh, be no way. such a problem. No. It's way easier to pinch a phone you leave in your bag or in your coat or sitting on a table versus, hi, I'm going to rip this off your wrist right now. No way. Yeah, but I Well, think... I mean, a lot of, a lot of those smartwatch... I mean, we're, we're talking about different types of watch straps, but the way that this has been designed is more like a bangle, yeah. where you can easily rip that off somebody's wrist. It's got like a I mean, gap if, in a, it. A, a, a nice watch band is not coming off. No, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, but it's also a privacy risk, too. If everything is coming through on your wrist, that's exposed to people. Um, you know, a, a notification would, you know, show up on your wrist, and there, you know, you, you know that's a, a, a common privacy concern of current smartwatches. Can you, can you see what yeah. time it is, is on my wrist right now? that shows up on your wrist. Can you see what time it is? It's, yeah, it's, except for the fact that you're... It's freckle past a hair. You're I got my. I have my your, hand over. But you're covering it. I think it's yeah. I think it's easier. I'm supposed to, to walk around like this the whole time because my phone is like that's ridiculous. Well, you'd have to do the same thing. Well, we're here. talking about what what. I just think so when I'm driving, when I'm driving, when I'm driving, and I have my watch on, and someone's sitting beside me in the passenger seat, and I've got my hands on the wheels, and they can see my watch, like, and I can't cover it. I can't do anything about it. Is there no sleep mode? Doug, we're we're talking about best case scenarios here. We're talking about is a smartwatch inherently a better form factor for doing basic digital, you know, internet based tasks? And I, I think you're making this argument because you want to win this argument. I don't no, think uh, No, I'm saying I mean, I, I'm saying the, I don't know. No, you're playing devil's advocate, which is fine. Mm, yeah. Because because I because I at least think it's but, an interesting question. <laughs> to be asking and i think there there possibly is a case for it i don't know i don't think there i think there's like i'm agreeing with you that there's probably like a thousand reasons why this thing isn't going to become the new dominant form but that doesn't mean that it wasn't necessarily the best like vhs still beat beta right no i know because they're i I just i'm looking i'm looking through tom i'm looking through tom's post on Vedakit, the one uh, Tom Emmerich wrote a post called Smart Clothing, a Huge Trend at UK's Largest Wearable Tech mm-hmm. Show. And these pieces of wearables excite me, right? Wearing a pair of gloves that actually, you know, have a small heating mechanism in them so that, you know, you, they'll heat your hands. These are the, the kinds yeah. of wearables that 
excite me because they're purpose-based, mm-hmm. right? Putting a, a smartphone on your wrist for the sake of it is not solving a problem, right? Because the smartphone does that, um, solves that better. I mean, it's the, it's the same thing. You can bike from here to New York City, and it would you'd get there and you you know you you'd be ripped afterwards and whatever, but it would take you a, a really long time, right? A locomotive is always going to be faster than a you know than a self-propelled vehicle. It's it's like you can do two things. You you can solve the same thing two ways, but one is better than the other. There are consequences to both. I don't know. You're you're just saying discussed. that something's objective, but it's you, like you said it was objectively better in your opinion, which means it's subjectively better. I'm just saying that like what if what if this is a thing where like yeah, you do you do less because it's on your wrist, but that means we don't have 30 people um on the streetcar with us all staring at our phones playing stupid games we're only looking at stuff well, when they're... we need it i'm just saying like we just have to like experience this thing to evaluate it and and looking at it as a smartphone on your right. wrist i 100 percent means like isn't giving it enough credit as like a, a, a different approach this is different than like samsung releasing a smartwatch with but a then, SIM card then have it it's not. I mean, the Neptune Duo is being marketed exactly that. It's a smartphone on your wrist, just with other form factors that you can augment it with. Give me something unique. Give me give me new uh, ways of doing things. Give me give me That's, new functions yeah. for you know living on my wrist. Don't That's just an important try to thing to remember too: is that they're marketing as a smartphone on your on your wrist, but they the base level minimum is like you can't buy that on its own. Like you, they will they will ship you the pocket screen right off the bat because they know that you are going to sit on the streetcar and you're going to still want to stare into your phone so they'll they'll give you a little dummy phone to to stare into so i don't think it will change anything really in that regard maybe yeah look doug i I mean you're not wrong i i think that there are innumerable use cases for smartwatches. i just don't think the neptune duo solves any problems better than having a smartphone paired with a smartwatch companion uh at least in 2015 this could be a, a very great it could be a great transition product both for neptune and the industry right just the way that pebble is held up as a really great transition product for a lot of smartphone users trying to determine whether smartwatches would fit into their lives uh i, I think that you know they could find some some success with this it's it's more about the company's vision than about this generation of product. So, yeah, that's probably. I, true. I hope they do well. Like the Neptune Trio is going to be badass. <laughs> I hope so, and cheaper. Oh yeah. Everything's expensive because the Canadian dollar is weak. Oh, yeah, we didn't talk about the fact that the iPhone is now a hundred dollars more. Yeah. Look at us. I don't know. Us. Everything's going to go up. Is though. it now or is, yeah. is Rogers still waiting for Canadian customers to get used to A the price days. increase before increasing it themselves? <laughs> right now, it's, it's still the old price. So it's been about a week. But they said that it will go up. $350 for an entry-level iPhone 6. How much is the uh, entry-level Galaxy A6? 250 It's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. Uh, but P 
people who bought the Nexus 6, moving on, uh, are getting more value for their money with the Android 5.1 update. This uh, update solves a bunch of problems that emerged with Android 5 and then 5.1 or 5.0.1. Apparently, uh, the device wasn't using all four of its CPU cores. At least, it wasn't turning them on when it needed to. So not only has performance improved, but the kernel, according to uh, Jane, who wrote the article, has been tweaked to... um, only wake up the CPUs when they're actually needed. So all four of the cores are now going to work when they're needed, and they'll yeah. all go to sleep when they're not needed. Yeah. So it's a way more efficient device these days. Yeah. And you've done some testing, right? It's, it does perform better? Um, I think, I think yes. I think it, the performance is better on the Nexus 6. I think it's, it's a lot smoother. Um, I think the average user is still going to look to the to the UI changes and stuff and say, hey, this isn't... This isn't better, so I think I really I'm I'm really trying to be careful when I've had I know Daniel I was talking to you about this I've had a few people message me and say how do I how do I switch back they're on Nexus Five or whatever and they'll they've updated to Lollipop and they're like I want to go back to KitKat and I think for those people um, I don't know how it runs in the Nexus Five obviously um, but I'm trying to like hedge my bets and say and not make any promises that I can't keep because a lot of the growing pains I think for the average user was with the is it the UI and, and the software inflation and not with the performance? Uh, but battery yeah, life should I be agree. better, uh, which is awesome because they used they've they have tweaked stuff there too. Because this this full quad core mode thing um, at all times, uh, the developer who actually who actually wrote about this, Francisco Franco, that's something that he did in his own kernel, and he said that he had already tweaked this because he had he had weighed the trade off between battery life and performance and decided that it was worth it to to enable full quad core mm. mode. Um, and that Google has obviously come to the same conclusion, but they've made different optimizations for the battery so that it's, they've kind of, I guess, balanced it out in that way. So while full quad core mode should, like, should, I guess, theoretically use it more power, it, they've canceled it out with optimizations that see, they used to, the stack, the task schedule used to send out like a notification every time one thread was migrated from between the CPU cores. And now, so what it used to do is mm-hmm. it sent a notification and it would tell the de- like the, the core that the thread was moving to, to it would kind of clock the frequency of the original core and then try and match them. Um, and it would like, so it, it boosts the, the destination core to match it um, or exceed the frequency of the original core. And um, That sounds so, really complicated. Yeah, it is. It's complicated. I'm, <laughs> and it's not, imp- I, again, the average user is going to care about this, but... Um, so that's what that's what Franco had in his in his kernel. Sorry. So they, he basically had it so that it, it doesn't do that boosting um, anymore. So um, con- he did it to conserve power, and and I guess Google did the same thing. And then the first thing, which was improvements to Android runtime, and then um, and then the the full quad core mode. Well, that's that's always Sorry, been the al- argument for multi core, kind of in the first place, right? Like more yeah, cores yeah. running at like uh, equilibrium is better than super clocking a single core, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. sorry, I just want to make clear that I I, I was I'm, I had it myself backwards. So the uh, the core boosting is what Francisco Franco had in his kernel. Um, right. But yeah. So other than that, I don't know if we've seen we've seen like the silent mode. They've kind of tweaked that a bit. There's still no silent mode, but they've made it possible to do what we thought, which was just enable no notifications and then until your next alarm. 
Well, I mean, there is see? a silent mode, right? It's 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 just none. Yeah, but before <laughs> it was like none ever. Um, now it's none until your next yeah, alarm. Yeah, but I've heard that it's only until your next alarm if your next alarm is within 12 hours, which is interesting. Yeah, well, that makes sense, I think. But what if I turn it on um, in the morning time? I haven't tried it, but what if I turn it on, let's say my alarm goes off at 8, and at 8.30 I go into meeting with you and I don't want Doug to, to bug me, so I put it on none. But then because my next alarm isn't set till 8 the next morning, it doesn't say, hey, do you want me to switch this back on once you're trying to wake up? Maybe it assumes that at some point between 8.30 in the morning and 8 o'clock the next morning, you will interact with your phone in some way that will cause you to turn on the notifications. I don't know. Well, I just checked the Rogers website, and they have updated the pricing of the iPhone 6. Mm-hmm. So it's it's now $349 for a 16 gigabyte iPhone 6, 479 for a 16 gigabyte iPhone iPhone 6 Plus, and the most expensive iPhone 6 Plus, the um, 128 gig version, is now $729 on contract. contract. Give me the price first. So if I was buying an iPhone tomorrow, um, based on my needs alone, I would say that I need a 32 gig iPhone 6. So what's that going to run me? There is no 32 gig. Or 64, sorry. So I would not go, I would go for not the 16, but the next one. So what's that? Uh, $479. That's a lot of money. Plus the 500 bucks for my watch. (laughs) That's more money than most, than a lot of phones are on, uh, off contract. So if you wanted to buy a Nexus 5, it would be, that's $128 more than the Nexus 5 costs out. What's the straight up non-contract price? Oh yeah. For the 64 gig version... $969. $969. So the the subsidy is the same. That's why it's $500 subsidy, basically. Or just just under $500 subsidy. Uh, $480. That's crazy. Or $490. Crazy, so, It's not cheap to buy an iPhone anymore. Think, and I wonder how much uh, of an impact that'll be. Do you think if any of the big three offered... Because I know that this just cropped up because earlier this week we were talking about how Korea has like a limit on how much a carrier can subsidize. Um, mm-hmm. but do you think if any of the big three subsidizes it down to like, um, who, so basically didn't increase their prices to match Apple or said, you know, Hey, I'm going to like, we're going to, we're going to charge like one ninety nine for the entry level iPhone six and go up from there. Do you think that that would be worth it for them? And I say big no, three because they'd have to charge more for an iPhone plan. It's, it's a matter of customer acquisition cost. The amount of money they spend to buy an iPhone is probably close to what it costs a user to buy it on a no term. Yeah. So who knows what Rogers spends on, on a 16 gigabyte or 64 gigabyte iPhone, but it's probably no lower than $900. So they're not making much profit from the hardware itself. Their subsidy comes from the notion that over two years, if you're saving $500, you're going to be spending however much right two thousand five hundred on on your plan mm-hmm. uh, and they've worked out that it, it'll cost them money to subsidize these phones more than uh four hundred and ninety mm-hmm. five hundred dollars i mean with android phones there's often a kickback yeah. from the oem the oem will subsidize it somewhat so you may get a, a higher subsidy so for example 
with older Samsung phones like the Galaxy Alpha, that's a $650 phone when you buy it outright, but it's $0. So the subsidy is $650. Yeah. Um, whether Rogers is just eating that extra $150 because they want to clear the inventory or whether Samsung's saying, hey, in order to keep this on the shelf, we want to give you know your customers yeah. a a better swath of Samsung phones, yeah. we're going to kick you $150 to make up the difference. I don't know, but um, it's it's definitely... It's probably the you know, latter. Apple does not give much leeway when it comes yeah. to that. Or it could also be that they're, that Samsung's charging Rogers less per device the farther along in its life cycle it goes. Mm. We'll see. Either way, sucks for know. iPhone users. <laughs> great for galaxy s6 users yep uh because it now separates the galaxy s6 you know not only does the entry level gs6 come with 32 32 gigs of storage but it's now a hundred dollars less rather than 15 dollars less so i mean that's a big big upside for samsung yeah um uh what and you um, reviewed the galaxy s6 I did. I, I just want to, before we move on, um, the Nexus 5 no longer available on the Canadian oh. Play Store. It's gone from the world. Nobody can buy a Nexus 5 anymore. The only phone Google will sell you is a Nexus 6, which is, as we've talked about many times, really, really massive. But the uh, next Nexus, whatever it may be called, is reportedly being produced by LG again. Yeah. So four, five, whether that means that they're they're going to be making, whether they're going to be making another five inch or maybe five point two inch Nexus phone, I don't know. Let's hope so. But I hope so, because the world needs smaller phones again. Yeah. But if not, buy next buy buy a, a Galaxy S six if you can afford it because it's really 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 good. Uh, I I reviewed it. I really like it. It's a big upgrade from the galaxy s5 i think that a lot of iphone users will actually like it um, mainly because of the metal build and the fact that the camera is really good mm. camera so is amazing if you haven't yeah the camera is amazing i mean it, it's got an f 1.9 lens uh which lets in more light it has a side effect of having a, a shallower depth of field than most smartphone cameras which means that if you, say, point it at an object right in front of you, everything in the background will be blurred out. A lot of people like that effect, but it's a it's a very personal thing. I don't know if everybody's going to like it, so uh, take that into account. But most things about this, uh, from you know the the camera to the fingerprint sensor to the form factor to everything is just massively improved so yeah. go and read the review because read... it's amazing it's, it will tell uh, you everything you need in... to know and the uh the galaxy s6 edge review is coming up in the next few days as well so stay tuned for that awesome uh what do you guys uh what, what do you what do you guys think of um the htc 1m9 you guys have any opinions I want the camera to be better. I've touched it. I think it's yeah. more. I think it's it's they it's it's interesting how like so many manufacturers are trying to go slimmer, slimmer, slimmer. HTC actually made it a bit thicker, but it makes for a much better phone. I think it feels a lot more. Um, feels like less slippy. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, the HTC yeah. One M8 never I felt like that. it wasn't a solid phone. Like it was always, it always felt like it was, it was like slim and and delicate, but built like a tank. Like you knew you weren't going to totally. break it. Um, but it's like a phone that you would use to hit other phones with. Yeah, and that's the, that's the crazy thing is that the One M8 was people. the first phone that I never that I never used to case with. Because I was always so afraid of breaking other phones and like denting them and stuff, and I dropped that phone so many times. No case and for life. It never. Yeah. Yeah, and it was fine. Um, and I think that I I I am assuming that the one M nine is going to be similar because it's actually a bit bulkier, but it doesn't feel bulkier. So. Hooray. No, it's actually a bit narrower. So. No, it's in like thicker. In like, bleh, like more bulk in the back. Yeah, no, but more junk in the trunk. Exactly, it, it has a better has yeah. a bigger camera, uh, bigger um, battery. But because it's slightly narrower, it feels smaller, mm. which it's is unique. Great. I don't think it stands um, out in any of the ways in which they said it would. Like, if you want to go, like, we were just talking about the, the S6, from, like, S5 to S6, that's like, hey, wow, whew, new phone there. And with the M9, it doesn't seem like that's the case. Yeah. Well... I'm excited. I want. I know that there's a the camera update that you talked about last week, or when talked about from Mobile World Congress. You said that the you were using an early version of the camera software. So I want to hear about that, and I want to hear I want to hear your thoughts about that in the next few days, because when you have a chance to play with it, because that's my biggest my yeah. biggest beef with the one M8 was the camera was crap. Well, from what I tried it in Barcelona, the the one M9 has trade-offs you have Mm. higher spatial resolution clearly uh it's five times the resolution 20 megapixels over four but the the pixels the size of the individual pixels is considerably smaller as a result it goes from a two um or two micron pixel size to 1.2 which is you know it's almost halved so the amount of light each pixel lets in is considerably less but uh and it's a trade-off. But that's what makes right? the S6 yeah. so... They want... Oh, sorry. No, you're right. That's what makes the S6 so amazing. Yeah, because we were, we were sitting around the these, office the other day just, like, looking at photos going back and forth. And while there were differences between the iPhone 6 photo and the, the S6 photo, it was... They were both... There wasn't yeah, they were a photo both where you're like, I wouldn't be happy with this. They were like just um, yeah. two takes on the same image, which is yeah. like the, f- has there ever been a phone that's not yeah. an iPhone that you could have said that about? Yeah. I think it's interesting just no. that it's, it's yeah, the, I feel like it's the first Android phone where the, the camera quality is, like the, the pictures are different, but you would never, you would never say that one is better over the other. You're like, hey, like this one's a little bluer, this one's a little warmer, but Neither of them feel inaccurate, which is great. I've spent a lot of time comparing the Galaxy S6 photos uh, to the iPhone 6 Plus. And the reason I do I do it with the Plus is because both of them have optical image stabilization. So theoretically, in low-light situations, both phones should keep the shutter open longer um, in order to make a better sort of uh, low-light shot. Um, but the image stabilization keeps the phone from shaking so you're not going to get that blur when the shutter is open longer ideally the thing that i found is that the iphone actually produces better low light shots more often than not Hmm. and that's because i don't know whether 
the sensor, I mean, I know the sensor has larger pixels, so it can capture more light, but the optical image stabilization module appears to be more effective. Uh, for example, I took a shot last night and the iPhone kept the shutter open longer, but the blur was actually heightened on the S6. So Apple still seems to have an advantage when it comes to that. Uh, but everything else, just from like daylight shots to the the speed at which the camera opens is is amazing. I'm really, really impressed. Uh, and I was impressed yeah. with the number of times I tried 10th. to pick up your S6 thinking it was my iPhone 6 on the table. Yeah, that's going to happen. That's going to happen. What do you think of the back? Hot takes back. Uh... I like the uh, colors. It's like beefy bust. <laughs> it's beefy bust. <laughs> like it's it's like it's like a comsi comsa. Like there there's advantages to both. Um, I think like the glass back is is pretty until you touch it and then it's just like got your like grubby fingers all over it. And one drop, I feel is going to break it. Like I don't even. I, I I would love to try do a drop test on this, but I'm worried that like a single drop from like half an inch up is just going to shatter the screen sadness so yeah i, I don't know i mean it's, it's such a pretty glass phone 4, that i wouldn't right and gorilla glass yeah, 4 was gorilla developed, glass 4 is it was developed better for, for shattering like it was de- de- developed to protect against that it's glass glass is going to shatter i mean they said the same thing about the gorilla glass 3 um, you know, yeah, it was it was meant to be, it was meant for you know anti scratch, but yeah, but it did they did say that it was yeah, but their whole marketing push shattering. with Gorilla Glass Four is like pretty girls dropping their phones on the street and going, <gasps> and then being like heaving a big sigh of relief, <laughs> like they they're basically saying like yeah 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 scratches and that, but like there's like it's less likely to break, so I don't know, I feel like the I think it's a stronger push this time. I hope. What we'll what if we threw the one M nine at it? Would it break? Really? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Phone missile. I mean the one M nine is a solid phone. It's way, way, way more solid than any it's I, I mean it's just substantial. Like there's there's nothing about the one M nine that doesn't say this is a premium yeah. smartphone. Phone least likely you'd wanna meet in a dark alley for sure. Especially when it hits you with the boom and sound. Sell it. <laughs> boom sound is so good. Uh, well, I'm, uh, I'm I'm getting a bit sad because I'm I'm realizing that it's coming to that time where we have to reveal reveal something that's that's really um, that's that's really awful for the mobile syrup team and uh, and maybe for the readers I, uh, <laughs> and definitely for the readers um, we we have to say goodbye to Jane. No. And I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll let you. I'll let you sort of explain what I mean. Um, uh, well, it's time to say goodbye. There's no no explanation needed. I mean, um, I tomorrow, which well today. I guess you guys are going to be listening on Friday, unless Daniel really gets his stuff together and gets this up tonight. <laughs> um, but um, today, oh, I'm not getting it up tonight. There you go. So today's Friday. Happy Friday, everybody. <laughs> um, and today's going to be my last day of mobile syrup because I will I will be leaving, which is sad. But um, I will still be around. She's joining I'll... Mars One. Mars... She's actually going to be going. <laughs> yeah, I'm never up to going Mars. back. No, I will be still around on the side. I will be in the comments and I'll be reading every post as I did before I started with Mobile Syrup. And it's been it's been a really great ride. And 
the readers are awesome and and obviously the team is awesome too so i'm gonna be sad to go but um yeah i just want to say on behalf of everybody um thank you so so much you have brought such uh just your your attitude your your writing your your work ethic everything it's been a gift and thank you so much i wanted to get this on tape so that it can it's it's going to be around forever you've been an amazing amazing addition to mobile syrup and to the and you'll have me back anytime right team that's a thing and we will have you back when you're back from Mars successfully. <laughs> oh, you guys are the best. So. You're our favorite Irish twin. Oh, burn. My sister won't be happy. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's been great. And, and I, I hope to be, I hope that this is not goodbye for good. It can't be. You have Agreed. the podcast board behind you. We Agreed. need that thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's true. Although, I don't know if you guys can see, but I couldn't find the blue marker. I couldn't have the black one. So I had to hastily rub off <laughs> some of it. <laughs> oh, my God. That's amazing. Serepsis. <laughs> so, yeah. Maybe I'll donate the board to the cause. <laughs> I had serepsis once. Yeah, and bring in your work-issued green headphones, yes. please, tomorrow. Mm, I will. Uh, okay, folks. Well... It is with a heavy heart that I have to say goodbye, both to you and to Jane. I mean, Less so to Douglas, because I'm going to see him. <laughs> I'm going to see him tomorrow. But I won't see you tomorrow, tomorrow. I'll tomorrow, see you tomorrow, tomorrow on the podcast. No? I'll love you tomorrow. It's only a day away. Anyway. Thank you, everybody, for listening. I hope this was diverse enough for you. Um, we'll be back next week with lots of, uh, lots of stuff. Uh, there's going to be a few embargoes that are breaking, so we'll talk about that. Expiring. And, we will not uh, be breaking them. The embargoes will be <laughs> broken by the time we join you next week. Uh, that's our show. Have a great week, everybody. Um, stay safe. Stay warm. And uh, stay mobile. Have a, have a tipple. Have a, <laughs> have a drink for us and for Jane. Pour one out. We'll see you later. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.